0: This is episode number 156 of the Rising Man Podcast with Isaac Kotek. You are the hero of your life story. What's up, Rising Man family? Welcome back to the Rising Man Podcast. If you don't know me by now, I am your host and creator of the show, Jetty Azuma. I'm also the founder of the Rising Man Movement. And before we jump into another amazing episode today, I wanna make sure I direct you back to our website risingman.org to check out our latest online offering. It's our 12-week Ignite course. This is a compilation of some of the greatest distinctions and wisdom tools that I've encountered over the past 10 years to help you become the best man that you can be, to break through the barriers and boundaries you've encountered in your life, and to get, finally get clear on your purpose and direction and where you're going and how you want to be in this world. So make sure you go to risingman.org ignite and get yourself registered today. Okay, my guest for today's interview is Isaac Kotek. Isaac has dedicated his life to empowering others through art and creativity. He's a scholar of the subconscious and has studied the power of symbolism to help create enduring change. He spent over a decade facilitating dance events, hosting music retreats and mentoring artists. The Hero Rise Archetype deck gave Isaac another platform to inspire others on their creative purpose. He's seen the transformative power of self-discovery through symbols and rituals and created the deck as another tool for those along the path. In this episode, Isaac and I took an expanded look at the traditional and modern masculine archetypes. First, we established what an archetype is and how it can serve us in our pursuits to become better men. Isaac shared with us his take on Robert Moore's popular four masculine archetypes and why he felt it was important to include the father and the sovereign in his archetypal dissection of masculinity. We talked specifically about the king archetype, why so many men have begun to connect to the king and what it really means to be a king. Lastly, Isaac and I both identify the archetypes we identify with most strongly and which we are working on the most and how you can develop into a better man by using archetypal models. Without further ado, Isaac Kotek. Rising Man family live from Portland, Oregon. Not me, my guest here today, Mr. Isaac Kotek. How you doing, brother? Great. Great to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah. Rainy up there, you said, yeah? Yeah. It's been a few days of of constant drizzle. The constant drizzle. That's almost worse than a downpour, isn't it? Because you just you're getting wet and you don't even really know that you're getting wet, but you just feel soggy all the time.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where you think you can like go around the block without a jacket and you're walking, and then by the time you come back, you're like, oh, I'm I'm soaked.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I kind of remember that. Since living in California, I don't experience rain very often anymore, but I do remember what that feels like. Mm -hmm. Well, for those of you guys who don't know Isaac, he's got some really incredible work that he's doing with the masculine archetypes. And would we call it a tarot deck? Is that appropriate? It's called an oracle deck, but it's very similar to tarot. Yeah. Okay, cool. So he's doing some incredible work and he and I were introduced by our brother, Titus Kahutek, who's been on here twice, actually. And so I knew immediately he was setting me up with a good guy to have a great conversation with. So I'm looking forward to talking about masculinity because I think that's such a evasive and misunderstood term nowadays. Maybe we'll drop into that a little bit. But first I want to ask you the same thing I ask everybody, and that is, what is the difference between a boy and a man?
1: Huh, that's a great question. I would say the difference is a boy doesn't realize where he stops and where the rest of the world begins. It's all like me, 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 right? Whatever fulfills me, whatever makes me happy. Oh, I'm hurt. Oh, I don't want to do that. And stepping into manhood is when you really see your impact to those around you. You become more aware that whatever you do affects people and you take responsibility for those effects and you take actions that are not only for yourself, but for your loved ones, your community, you kind of
0: expand beyond your ego into the group, I totally love that, man. We're on the same page and we've had a lot of guys mention that before. So I'm just going to let that one lie. I'm going to ask you a follow-up question. What's the difference between masculine and feminine?
1: Yeah. So this is a complex question. (laughs) So I love, I love starting with this idea of what is the definition of masculinity? The definition of masculinity is a series of traits in relationship to femininity. That's the definition. So, That's kind of a very vague definition. And what it's saying is that these two things are reflections of each other, that you cannot have one without the other, just as a tool of communication. Like that's what it comes down to. You're using these words to communicate certain attributes and traits. Now, there's definitely a difference between femininity, masculinity, and born gender, right? Because you can have certain traits, but be of a different biological gender. So, decoupling that work, I think, is really important. I think David Data was one of the, the first people I came across that, that helped me understand those differences. Same with Young; He was really trying to see that these attributes are separate from your biology. Now, when you look into those attributes, I think it, it has changed a lot in different cultures in different times. So, I don't want to say that it's this is what masculinity is. I would say more of this is what our culture or this is what at this point in time, masculinity means to our culture and to me, right? So it's a construct that we use to explain these differences. And currently, at least in my own life, I come back to that, the classic thing that I learned from David Data about, you can look at femininity as the experience. I loved what he said once where femininity is the ocean, The ocean, which is full of life and endless and this huge, massive, powerful place. And masculinity is the boat. So, if you want to get anywhere, a boat is where you want to be, right? You want to get from point A to point B, the boat's going to get you there. But which one's more powerful, right? The ocean will swallow you whole easily without a second thought. So, I just love that difference between kind of emotional experience versus consciousness, right? And movement and action.
0: So to be specific, what would be some of those qualities you would assign to masculinity and femininity? And I know that it's constantly changing, but for you, because you do a lot of this work. So I'm interested in what you qualify masculinity as.
1: Yeah. So I've been diving into this question a lot. And for me, what's been shifting is actually trying to embody the feeling So, what I mean by that is I'll do this meditation and this whole thing that I do with Hero Rise and this archetype deck started with an invocation. I wrote this invocation about different attributes of masculinity and at the end of it, I would sit there and when I sat there, I would just try to feel what masculinity was in my body and it was a very different feeling and that feeling was like a strength of grounding, like just really grounded, really present And my consciousness was able to perceive the room, the walls, the space in a very grounded, I would say almost mundane, like physical way that made me feel totally centered. That to me is what feels like masculinity. Where femininity, that type of feeling comes up a lot for me in dance, in movement. It's not so much about perfectly being still and perceiving my room. It's more of like, ooh, what's this cool thing I can move with or play with or what are my senses experiencing and how can I interact with this space? So when I get into that energy, it's much more of, yeah, dancing, movement, playfulness, that type of.
0: So it sounds like you've migrated away from putting specific characteristics or qualities, assigning them to masculinity or femininity. Is that correct? Am I hearing you that way? So by qualities, do you mean like... Like, Because I think of masculinity as being direct, being focused, being anchored in logic, whereas femininity for me is more loose, more emotional, more free-flowing, not as rigid, more flexible.
1: Qualities like that. Totally. I completely agree with those qualities. Those are great examples. I just found when I think of the qualities, it's hard to connect to it. But when I feel it in my body, when I actually take the time to like center in that experience, it's just way more palpable. It's just more useful for me. It becomes a gauge of when I'm in my masculinity or not, right, because I can feel
0: the shift. And I'm fascinated by that because first of all, you're the first person who's ever said that and said, I'm kind of moving, I'm taking it to like 3.0 here of how we use these distinctions. How does one embody the feeling of masculinity or femininity Without being clear on what they are, or maybe that's a prerequisite.
1: Yeah, I think the traits that you were saying are a great first step, right? Of There's tons of charts of like, here's feminine energy, here's masculine energy. Just seeing those is really helpful. But for me, when I just think things, when I'm coming only from the mind, it only goes so far. So then you could sit down and you can say, okay, I'm going to read these masculine traits Now I'm just going to try to feel like what it would be to be in that state. Like, what is the state of action? What happens to my shoulders? Do they round in? Do they open up? When I am conscious of my settings, what do I feel like? And then that can become a better barometer in the moment, right? As compared to a list of of ideas.
0: Interesting. I dig that. I think that's really cool. And I, I know I've been to a number of workshops and trainings where in order for men, especially with men's workshops, those are the most the ones I've been to, for men to embody their masculine, they invite men to get into their masculine. A lot of times I see that most guys out there don't fully embrace their masculinity because of this overarching social message that masculinity is dangerous And harmful, and so a lot of guys are scared of it because we know what happens, right? If I if I let out a battle cry, you know the cops are being called, right? (laughs) My neighbors think I'm crazy, or if I go and beat my chest and like you know I just go crazy, you know people start to get concerned. So I like that you're bringing that piece in and. I'd like to migrate the conversation over to the actual function of archetypes because, and I don't know, maybe, have you ever looked up the etymology of the word archetype and where that comes from? Oh man, I have. It's I'll help you out here because I, I looked it up while you were telling us some stuff because I, I love etymology and I think it's interesting. It says the original pattern from which copies are made. And so explain a little bit about that because I'm trusting you as an expert in archetypes and how does that definition of what this word means useful in exploring different masculine archetypes. Yeah, this is a great
1: question. You know, I can dive deep, so let me know when I go too deep. Feel free to ask questions. Yeah. So, Jung is one of the main proponents of archetype. I think he actually coined the term, if not made it popularized, and his work was about was looking at traits that people have, looking at traits that were repeated over and over in different cultures in different time periods, and he began to see similarities. And when he saw those similarities, he goes, oh, look, there's this character that people play out, like the warrior. And when we think of the warrior, most people will think of someone who's very action-oriented, who's very dedicated, who really like pushes forward to to get things done, very action-oriented. And he said that, look, that is a byproduct of a psychological pattern. And the psychological pattern that we've developed as humans, were one of that driven nature, and that is the seed which then grew to all these different concepts and symbols and ideas that we see repeated and for generations and thousands of years. So the archetype is the original psychological pattern that we, as humans, developed to interact with our world to make sense
0: of things. And then it expresses itself through these universal symbols. Okay, let me pause you there for a second because that's awesome. I'm thinking, I, I always think in pictures and I'm seeing like the first stencil of something being printed off of a press and imagining, I just got a glimpse of young boys being told the story of a warrior and all the different directions that that story of warrior could be taken for that boy. I thought about the boy who goes and serves in the armed forces and becomes an honorable serviceman in the military. And then I thought about the guy who goes into the darker shadow of the warrior and uses that energy destructively and hurts people with that energy. And so where do we go from the archetypal stories of warriors and wizards and all of these different things when it comes to mentoring our young people and helping them to integrate a healthy version of these archetypes
1: yeah that's a great question so one of the reasons why archetypes are so useful and why young started working with them it's big within depth psychology and lots of different work and it's incredibly helpful in masculinity is that when you see these universal patterns you can really start to track when they've become in their shadow. It's called their shadow aspects. Basically, when something has happened that has stopped its growth, like let's say a warrior is your connection to action, the things that we've talked about. But if you as a kid got hurt by someone who was a bully and they beat you up, you might not fully develop your own warrior because you see that as a bad attribute and you shut that part of yourself off and you make up for it by working out or building in different aspects of your psyche. So then you can say, Oh look, this part of yourself didn't fully grow. So we're going to look at it and see where that trauma was, see what happened and kind of create strength with that particular archetype. So That's one of the major reasons it's useful. And the other thing I like to bring up is, you know, if someone asked you, how are you doing or how's your life? That's a pretty freaking big question. It's like, wow, where do I start? There's so many things going on. Archetypes are a way of creating specific lenses that you can look at your life. If I asked you, if you were to embody the attributes of the wizard, which is knowledge, information, learning... How is that part of your life? Where are you with picking up new skills? That's just a lot easier to riff off of. So you can use these lenses. And then what I like to use is five different archetypes for masculinity. It really helps you narrow in on these different parts of yourself, see what needs work,
0: what's strong, what's weak, and kind of create a more holistic person. Mm, Beautiful, man. So This is great. This is flowing nicely. I'm thinking about, I helped facilitate a program called Man Cave. And one of the, really the structure of that program was based off of the four masculine archetypes, according to Robert Moore. So king, warrior, lover, magician. We called it mystic, but it was really the same idea. And I know that one of the things I always like to talk about at the end of that course, because we spent a few weeks on one archetype, then we went to the next one and the next one doing similarly to what you said, you know, investigating, hey, where are you showing up strong in your king? Where are you showing up weakly in your king? And then by the end of it, I always like to do a little bit of a conversation around the integration of the archetypes. And this is something I got from some of my other work I did through Justin Sterling's legacy of the Men's Weekend. He has the three-dimensional man Right. And he's a little more old school. So he uses Clint, your Clint Eastwood, Gandhi or Curly from the Three Stooges. So it's just another vocabulary for archetypes. Right. And what we always talked about there is knowing which archetype or which dimension of your masculinity or just who you are is called for in any one moment. And that that's really where the work is because you can develop a really great warrior and be fully in your warrior, but the warrior is not always needed, right? You don't need the warrior to go to battle when there's times of peace, right? Knowing when and where to bring these applications of these archetypes. So I'm sure that's something that you're tracking. I just wonder where that comes into the work that you do.
1: Yeah. I think when you were saying that, it kind of reminds me of the power of vocabulary where just being able to have a word, a descriptor for something really opens up a new level of understanding. So if you were to just look at yourself as one whole being without any way of discerning the different attributes and traits of who you are, it's like I said, overwhelming. But what you were bringing up with this story of taking multiple days to go into that, it's like those words just hold a resonance that allow you to get into different feelings and different experiences a lot quicker. I really love that. And to go back to your question of, yeah, the integration of all of it, that's the funny thing with, I feel with art in general, if you were to look at your life as an artistic expression, it's first about knowing your paints, the colors, right? And then knowing the rules of how to put those colors on a canvas. But the real artistry comes from playing around with those things, learning the subtleties, of the different interactions with those different parts. So to be someone who knows their masculinity so strongly that they know the color palette they're working with, but they can blend them together, they can move them when needed, that just becomes an incredibly potent person. That becomes someone who can really bring forth the energy needed in the moment. And that person is also much more aware of what the world needs and how to fulfill those responsibilities than if someone's like, Nope, I'm only this one thing ever. And you're like, you're way more complicated than that and you have more power than that. And sometimes you have to get into energies you don't want to, right? Yeah. I love being just the lover. I love just experiencing life, having a drink, doing whatever I want. But when something bad happens, someone car broke down across town, they need help. Like you need to get into that warrior. You need to be that person who steps up and does it. Even though if you were just in your lover, you'd be like, yeah, whatever. They'll, they'll come to me when they want. Right. So I agree. It's about first learning the differences, then being able to wield them, really wield them as an artist, someone who can choose the best tool for the right situation.
0: Yeah. Well, and here's a great example. This is something I would bring into Man Cave. And anytime I was talking about integrating archetypes and doing exactly what you said, being able to develop a listening for what's being asked of me in this moment, what's needed in this moment. There was a moment where I was sitting in my office and I could see my son playing outside. Right. So I'm here. I'm in warrior mode. Right. I'm like dialed in. I got music going in my headphones. I'm like cruising. I'm tunnel vision. And of course, because I have him in my peripherals, I can see my son out there and I'm tracking him. And just through the window over yonder, I could see him fall and I could see him get hurt and nobody's around. So immediately I say, okay, time to put down the warrior. I got to go outside and I got to be the lover, right? Cause he's fine. He's not like broken arm or anything, but he's scared, he's hurt, nobody's around. So usually, you know, his mom really does it way better than I do. But when she's not here or available, I need to tap into my lover. Hey, are you okay? Oh, you know, that like real nurturing type. And then inevitably, you know, my wife hears him screaming. So she comes running along and she's like, oh my God, what happened? Cause she didn't see, right? So then it's like, I migrate out of lover and I go into king, right? I, everything's okay. It's going to be fine. Everything's, you know, like a, a little more of that soothing, big picture vision version of myself. And it's just such a simple illustration of how within the span of two minutes, you can go from one archetype to the next because of knowing what's needed. I think of it sometimes as like Batman with his utility belt. Like, which device do I need to pull out right now so that I can be of service? And it's so useful for us as men. I don't know. Are there feminine archetypes too? Cause I've never even asked that question.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's feminine archetypes. I mean, they're very similar with slight changes, you know, for instance, like the queen instead of the king.
0: Okay, so it's similar, right? But I feel like this is something that's really useful for guys because most of us who are in our masculine think very logically and logistically like, oh, if I think of my king as a tool that I can like, or a costume that I like kind of put on over my head and I can embody that, for some reason I find that that's that's really helpful for men to, to embrace. Yeah, it's that logical
1: approach and understanding, like taking the time to really break apart the concepts and the parts of yourself, that that's a very masculine trait.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, so this is great stuff, man. Let's talk about the archetypes that you work with. Cause obviously there's so many different versions. Can you tell us about each one and just a brief description of what they are? Yeah. So I work with five archetypes, which are the warrior, the
1: wizard, the father, the lover and the sovereign. So We talked about the warrior a little bit before. So, the warrior is about determination, action, willpower. It's really like stepping up to do the things that need to be done, right? And then you have the wizard. And the wizard part of ourselves has to do with wisdom, intelligence, knowledge. How do you interact with knowledge? How do you take in knowledge? How do you process things? And also how you share it, which is a big part of the wizard of how you allow knowledge to move through you and into And with other people. Then you have the father. And and this one you'll notice is a little different than the king, warrior, magician, lover. I I basically added this one in and adjusted the system a little. And the reason I did that is because there's the king, which is the part that has to do with the realm, the security of your kingdom, the harmony of things. But it also had to do with, with being a father. And I thought it was important to separate that because. Our world really needs caring caregivers and people that can be there for their children and seeing that as an important part of our psyche. But also the father, isn't just about kids. It's about how do we stand up for our community? How are we a role of support? We mentors, we caregivers.
0: Yeah, I like that. I'm just going to pause you there for a second because I'm going to confess something. I'm calling myself out on it now. I have had a particular judgment about people taking these archetype, especially the archetype of king, and then just calling themselves king and calling everyone else king and saying, yo, what's up, king? Yo, king this, king that. And it's not that I, I love guys taking that and running with it and aiming for it and striving to be that. But guys who call themselves a king who aren't really embodying king, that's, I've got a problem with that. you know. And so I love that you flipped it. And I don't know if this had anything to do with your decision, but that you flipped it to father, first of all, because ain't no kings in 2021, 2020, 2021 right now, right? I mean, maybe still people that call themselves king, but we live in a world of fathers right now, right? And the father really is exactly what you said. So I, I like it because it's so much more tangible. It's real And I tell you what, I'd rather have a whole bunch of guys walking around working on their father archetype than their king archetype any day because there's such a void in fathering in the world right now. So, And the power of a masculine
1: connection to nurturing, which has a different feel to it than a feminine connection to nurturing and really diving into that is such a powerful place. So to kind of go on that concept, that was one thing that I loved the work of Robert Moore and King Warrior Magician Lover, but there was a lot of comments with people who study more of the Jungian psychology that supported that work, where I've heard a lot of people get annoyed with the concept of the king within the four system because in that book you'll notice they talk about the king as the the sum of all the parts. When all the parts come together, that's when you release the king and, and the king becomes almost the point of the whole system. And I don't agree with that because I don't think if you have kingly attributes or not makes you a better or worse man. I think that's just one aspect of who you are. Some people are just artists. They are just amazing creators. And I want them to completely feel fine with having those connection to creativity and not having to force themselves into being one mold like the king. So I separated some of those attributes into the sovereign and the father.
0: Yeah. Let me say one more thing before you go into the sovereign, because I'm really glad that you said that. And after we go through these archetypes, we'll talk about this some more, but- The fact that it gives people permission to embrace and choose the qualities that they feel most resonant with is such an important piece of this work. We're men, right? What we want to do is be seen as valuable. And when guys don't genuinely feel like I'm a king or I'm a warrior, they feel less than. And if we're introducing tools that should be helpful, we shouldn't be creating a context in which they can feel ashamed. You're not whole unless you can integrate all these archetypes, right? That whole, it just perpetuates the same thing. So I just wanted to squeeze that in there because it was so great that you pointed that out. Yeah, and I think an idea that supports
1: that is just because someone's not in the king role doesn't mean they can't be really good at it, right? They might just say, you know what? My life right now, I'm taking on this other role and I'm perfecting it because that's my path. So they're not less for doing that. And just know they all have different attributes and we're all unique due to our upbringing, to the culture that we come through and all these things make us who we are. So we should have a, a way of connecting to our uniqueness instead of saying we're you are or not something. We're not black and white, we're not that easy.
0: Right, totally man, beautiful. Well, Tell us about the sovereign.
1: So the sovereign is how we connect to organization. It's how we choose to be effective, strategic, how we are diplomatic with people around us. And all of this, all of those attributes are about creating harmony, not just within your life, but the world around you. So, what choices can you make? When can you make them? How can you deploy them? It's an incredible archetype in conjunction with the others, because like you were saying, you have to know when to turn something on and off when should I be in my warrior? When should I be in my father archetype? That process of decision is the sovereign archetype. It's really the overseer, the manager of the different parts. And that doesn't mean the manager is better or worse than anyone else involved, right? It's just one of the roles we play. Mm.
0: That's awesome, man. I love that. So what because I heard your definition of sovereign and I started to hear a little bit of warrior the way I hold it in there about strategy. That's what I would normally assign to warrior is strategy, logic, focus, the guy who's executing the mission. Is there anything that I'm missing about the sovereign there? I wanted to do some Venn diagrams of this thing where, so you have the warrior, which is about
1: action, at least in my concept and system. It's about action, getting things done, dedication. Then you have sovereign, which is strategy. Now where they overlap in the Venn diagram, the middle part is the general, right? So it's about blending of the action and the willpower with the decision-making. So I see the warrior as much more, the fire, the will, the energy to do the thing and the sovereign as, okay, when should I do that thing?
0: So would you say within sovereign, is that also the realm of being a critical thinker and manifesting your own beliefs and direction? Totally, yeah. You can have
1: some awesome beliefs and really good strategies, but if you don't do it, which is your warrior, you're
0: completely ineffective.
1: So the two work together so tightly. But yeah, I do see them as slightly different in that way.
0: Yeah, I like that where they overlap in the general. It's like a super archetype. <laughs> do you have overlapping archetypes for all the other ones too? I don't, but I
1: was talking with a friend where they were saying like, yeah, you should do all these like Venn diagrams of, of what's in the middle. Like, you know, what is the lover king? What is the, or sovereign? What is the father warrior? You know, and then just pick a pop icon. That'd be fun.
0: Yeah, because we used to do that a little bit when we were working with the archetypes. Because I also love medieval mythology and Lord of the Rings and all that stuff. So, I mean, the kings, the good kings, were always the ones who were like the retired battle heroes, right? You know, the king was the guy who's a little too old to be out on the battlefield swinging a battle axe, but he still could, and he probably would at some point in the story, right? So we would talk about the warrior king or even speaking about the king as having had a history as a warrior. And was I able to now sit and look over and survey everything instead of being focused on executing, you know? So I like that idea of the overlap of the archetypes too, because I think it gives it a little more breath and freedom too. Mm,
1: mm -hmm. Yeah. So then the last one is the lover and lover has to do with really being connected to your sensuality. And what I mean by that is your senses, your ability to really be present and perceive what is. What is your experience? What is the smell of the air around you? What is the taste, the things that you enjoy taking in? It's about just really connecting to that part of yourself. And that brings up a lot around intimacy, emotions, and how we're present for one another.
0: Yeah, I like that. Awesome, man. So now we've got a more clear description of the five archetypes. I know you said a little bit before about guys starting to try these on. How do you invite people, maybe people who've never done this before, to begin working with the archetypes, even in the context of working with a deck like yours?
1: Yeah. So a little bit about what I do with Hero Rise. So the project I have is HeroRise.us. That's a website, Instagram, all that stuff. And what I would say is a really good first step is understanding what the different ones are, and somehow embodying those experiences. For instance, with the lover, it could be connecting to your part of yourself that's really sensual, that enjoys, that has desire. So, take maybe a week to just feel into that archetype once a day, either through meditation or, you know, maybe you set aside 30 minutes to just be like, look, I'm going to try to feel what that is in my body and what that experience is. By doing that to each one of them, you're going to get a strong connection to what that feeling is. And once you recognize the feeling, then you can start recognizing when it shows up in your interactions, right? Like you were saying, when you switch between them, you can only do that once you get really used to, okay, I'm definitely in my warrior because I am like full-on focused, nothing can get in my way. And, oh, should I be in that? That's your sovereign speaking. No, actually, someone really needs your emotional attention. I'm going to move over into the Father. So I'd say really taking time to connect to each one. I put together a free ebook that goes over each one of these. It has descriptions and activities you can do. So it has two different activities for each archetype that allow you to connect to that process of your psyche. So I'd say that's that's a great space. And I wanted to make that free and available for people because I just really believe in this work and the power of it.
0: Yeah, well, that's awesome, man. I'm a firm believer that there's conceptual knowledge and wisdom, and then there's experiential knowledge and wisdom, and it doesn't actually mean anything until you can experience it and apply it. So that taking action piece is so important, so essential. Is there any any other resources that you would direct people to? I know I mean I know there's a lot of things out there, but is there anything else that you think would be really helpful for guys who want to work with these archetypes even more so than just focusing on one at it for a chunk of time, but is there anything out there where you you're like swirling through and I'm almost thinking of a game where you have to jump in and out of the archetypes and preparing yourself to go from one to the other. huh, that'd be a really fun role playing game. Yeah, that sounds that sounds cool. It doesn't do exist yet, so we got to create it. <laughs> yeah, we got to create it. <laughs> okay, cool.
1: Yeah, in terms of other resources, there's actually some really great YouTube videos just on, if you look up King Warrior Magician Lover, I think the Stories of Old or something like that is a YouTube channel. And it just really goes into it, shows a lot of pop references of, okay, here's Warriors in Lord of the Rings and in different movies, so you can really connect to it. I'd say just looking up masculine archetype, you know, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, you're going to find a lot. That book is still a foundational book, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover by Robert Moore and David Gillette. Um, I, forget, I always that. forget
0: the second guy. Robert Moore is the one that always stands out in my head.
1: Yeah. So I'd say that book is amazing. Definitely check it out. It is a little academic and a little heady. And that's why I was drawn to this work because I think like you were saying it, making it embodied, making it experiential is is the most important part because you're not going to remember it unless you actually have
0: felt the difference. Cool. Let's play a little game for a second here. Are you down? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I thought we would both take turns talking about which of the archetypes we have the most difficulty embodying. If there was one that stands out above the rest, what is yours? And then I'll go after you.
1: Yeah, I would say the lover. The lover is mine. Tell me why. Well, the one that's most active for me is the wizard. I very much come from a place of intellect and seeking information. And when you do that, it's like coming from the head instead of the heart. So I need to remember to know, like, it doesn't matter how much you understand this information, but how do you feel? How are you perceiving it? And really tapping into much more of the presence of the experience. Mm.
0: Yeah, the lover is the one that I was going to say as well, because especially in my relationship with my wife, to be the lover who is nurturing, who is loving, who is kind, patient, you know, being a patient lover is something I'm really working on because by contrast, I'm always in my warrior. I'm always looking for the mission, something that I can execute, something that I can fight through, something that I can win. And in my relationship, my wife is constantly calling me back to slowing down, listening, not really going anywhere particular, no destination, just presence. And I'm like, uh, point me in a direction of something I can do. <laughs> let me wash a dish. Let me do something. And so I'm, I'm constantly at, at battle with myself there. And then, you know, just because you said lover also, I, for me, there's also elements of the father and I trust. And I know that people around me would look at me and tell me that I'm, I'm a really good father, not just with my own children, but in the way that I father and mentor other men. And it's still something that's evasive for me because I think I'm relatively new at it. And still the majority of my life, I was looking for a father. I was looking for fathering energy. I've got a great dad, but looking, you know what I mean by when I say looking for fathering, looking for mentoring, looking for guidance and being in that role of father is still relatively new for me. So I still have moments of doubt. I question myself. I say, was that the right move? Was that the right thing to do as a dad, even with my kids or with just a guy who's looking to me for guidance. And I really want to hone in on that one because when more of us men are recognizing, you don't have to have your own biological kids to be a father. You don't even have to be older than someone else that you're fathering. Father is an archetype. It's an energy, just like you explained. And if we had more of those guys who could embody that archetype on a day-to-day basis, I think this world would be moving in a good direction.
1: Yeah. I mean, even just thinking of like being a warrior who is balanced by their father, right? Like by their ability to understand nurturing and caring for their community, but still get the job done, still do what they have to. Like, think about that. That's a completely different warrior than a warrior that isn't connected to that. If you're not connected to community, you're not connected to your loved ones, you're a mercenary. You're fighting for the love of fighting. Mm. And that's not what we need.
0: No, definitely not right now. With the time we've got left, I realized one thing we didn't touch on was the shadow aspects of these archetypes. And maybe you could just give us a quick flyby of each one so that the guys listening could figure out which one they show up in the most. Yeah,
1: so... One of the things that's so useful with archetypes is you have these lenses, right? And they each have different attributes. But how you connect with those attributes, if there's anything that, like I was talking about at the beginning, that really hurt you or really disrupted your growth and connection to that archetype, you can get a little stunted. And I like to think of it as an energy that circulates through you. And if something's blocked it, then it, it stops somewhere. Like think about if it stops at your legs and doesn't go any further, it's gonna cause all these different problems. So your shadow aspects are the parts of you, are kind of the patterns that you have learned to deal with that being stunted or being hurt within that archetype. So it's about seeing where those, those patterns of behavior are and beginning to not push it away. The repression of it is the shadow. It's being like, no, I accept this part of myself. I accept the fact that for instance, for me, one of the shadows I have a hardest time with is lost dreamer, which is one of the shadows of the lover. And what that is, is is me, instead of being in the present moment, disappearing in my own fantasies. And that's great. It's beautiful. It's very artistic, but it's not connecting to the world. It's not connecting intimately with other people. So it's going like, oh, where did that come from? Oh, that came from my childhood because I was really afraid of being vulnerable. I moved a lot. So it was like, oh, I don't want to open up to these people. I'm going to be gone in six months. So I got in a habit of closing off my emotions. That's why I think the real work... Of archetypes is in the shadows. It's an understanding where you've gotten off balance and how to come back into it. Would you like me to go over? How many shadows are there for each one? Two. Yeah, we got time. Let's do it. Totally. So let's see with the warrior, you have the aggressor and the coward, right? So the aggressor is when you're, think of the warrior as the balanced middle, but if you're too action-oriented, if you're too much of a go-getter, you're not listening to other people, you're just forcing upon people. That's being aggressive and causing issue. Whereas in the coward is not standing up for what you believe, not being afraid of pushing forward, right? But being balanced between those two forces is when you are in the fullness of the warrior. It's not about not being a coward at all. Being afraid of things is not bad, but it's knowing how to use that energy, right? Am I being too cowardice or too aggressive? You wanna be in that middle place and that's where the the fullness comes. So that's the warrior. Then the wizard, you have the know-it-all and the charlatan, right? So the know-it-all is always right no matter what, doesn't listen, hands in their ears. Or you have the charlatan, which is, just doesn't want anyone to know anything. They want to just get away in the shadows. They want to just pretend like knowledge doesn't exist. Then you have the father. The two archetypes are the constant rescuer, someone who is constantly trying to protect someone to the point where you're no longer allowing them to grow and nurture. And then the other shadow is the deadbeat, deadbeat dad. So, that's where you're completely pushing off your responsibilities of nurturing and caring and just running off and doing your own thing then you have the lover. The two shadow aspects of that are the addict. So being connected to your sensuality desires, that's great. But if you're overdoing it, you're starting to hurt yourself. You're starting to hurt others around you. And then the other side of that is the lost dreamer, being very disconnected, completely lost in your dreams. And then the last one, sovereign, the two that you have are the oppressor because the sovereign also has to do with power how you represent power, how you invite people in to collaborate with you. And if you're the oppressor, then you're just pushing your thoughts on other people, no matter what they want, you're doing what I'm doing. The other side of that is the entitled prince. And what that is, is more of saying, oh, because I have this power, I don't have to do everything. Everyone else do it for me, right? So in King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, this was the high chair tyrant. I love that term, right? It's like, you do it for me because I say
0: so. (laughs) The high chair tyrant, that's such a good one. (laughs) I love that, I love that. When I first read that, it cracks me up. Sometimes I act like a high chair tyrant still, I'll I'll admit it.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, I mean, I think it's important to realize we have all of those, every single one of those shadows. If you don't recognize that part of yourself, then you're kidding yourself. You're repressing it. And it's probably one of the hardest ones for you.
0: Heck yeah. You know, one last piece I know we didn't quite dip into, but just the importance, you know, we were joking, you said you have a quiz that people could take to try and figure out which archetype they are. And we were joking saying, hey, you should have, really have the five people who know you the best take that quiz and see what shows up. And then we were talking about the value of having a men's team, a men's circle, a space where people know you really well and aren't afraid to be honest with you about how you're showing up. So maybe just like a couple minutes of back and forth on that piece and how you invite other men to bring this piece into that work. Yeah. So,
1: I talked about that ebook and the reason I actually made it was for a men's group that I was participating with because I wanted to use it as a way of communicating these different parts. And I think it's, like you're saying, really important because if you can have a group of people and you know you have this similar vocabulary, so you have a way of talking about these different processes you're going through and you're connecting about it regularly, it leads to this It's going to warp speed, make super fast your growth as a person because you have a team that can can see you as you are, can see your blind spots and really help you become your full, your full potential. So I would say connecting with other people or other groups that allow for that reflection. Mm,
0: I love that, man. Yeah. I think people who've listened to the podcast have heard me talk about the value of being on a men's team. I was on a men's team for eight years before I moved to Santa Cruz and I attribute 99% of everything I have in my life to being on that team. And we didn't really work with archetypes. We worked with those three dimensions of masculinity I was talking about before. But just the value of having someone, some people who they care more about my future and more about my family than my feelings that are willing to go to bat for everybody who's counting on me. There's so few people that I could depend on for that in this world. And so that's why I do everything that I do because I know that, First of all, it takes a lot of time and repetition to develop that level of trust. And so there's really no time to waste. And also it's anyone who's out there operating in the world without that is it's like going and flying on three engines instead of four, you know, you're missing a special sauce.
1: Yeah, I also, it reminded me how a friend of mine talked about that humans are our social being and our nervous system actually Like if you're dealing with trauma or hurt, it can't actually go through the healing process without connecting to other people. So, it's as if our nervous system needs to connect to other nervous systems to actually go through a process of change. So, you're never going to change alone. You need that reflection. And when you have a group, you become more than the sum of the parts. There's a wisdom that grows out of that that none of you have separately. And I think that's just how us as social beings connect to one another and community is so important brotherhood community. I totally yeah, invite people to look for that in their lives. Look for the friends around you and the great work that you're doing. I mean, I see how you're bringing brothers together, how you're creating those connections. Don't let time and space hold you back.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Those are just excuses. I love that, man. What a powerful conversation. This is, it's amazing how quickly an hour goes by. Before I cut you loose, I wanna ask you a few lightning round questions and then make sure you tell everybody where to go and find your work. So what is one thing you've learned in your life you wish you knew when you were 18? Who to not care as much about other people's thoughts. (laughs) Such a good one. I needed to hear that one too. What do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Most
1: important value as a man, self-awareness. And what do you think the world needs most from men right now? I had to put this. I want to say clarity, but what I mean by that is really holding space for peace, for like peaceful communication, for peaceful coming together. Instead of adding chaos, excited energy to the world, it's more about grounding it and creating a nice safe space to really ground where we are right now as a culture.
0: Love that, man. So good all right so where can we go to find you follow you purchase one of your decks tell us all the details my friend
1: yeah thanks so my deck basically goes into all the masculine archetypes the five archetypes their shadows the shadow aspects sub archetypes, which we didn't get into, but basically they're more granular expressions of the, of the archetype. And all of that is, is in a deck that you can, I wanted to give that physical experience of like, how can I go through these images? What is my emotional, physical response to them? So you can really have that connection. I'm releasing that as a Kickstarter in January. I'm doing a big Kickstarter. So look out for it. It's coming out soon. You can connect with me at herorise.us. That's where that free ebook is. You can check it out. There's also a an archetype quiz and a bunch of other free resources there. I'm also on Instagram at HeroRise.us. So yeah, I love to connect. This work is is what I live and breathe every day. And I'm just really excited to add this level of positivity to this conversation. So
0: really appreciate it. Heck yeah, man. Well, I appreciate everything that you're doing. I really appreciate your wisdom and your intelligence and everything you're bringing into the world. Grateful again to Titus for connecting us. And Yeah, thanks, Titus. <laughs> yeah, man. Look forward to seeing where this goes for you because I could see a lot more unfolding with this kind of work. And I think there's a lot of men who are going to really resonate with this lens and this perspective of evaluating their masculinity. And so- all the more power to you, man. Thanks for bringing it today.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. I really love your podcast. I was just talking about it to a few men today and they just were beaming about how much it's affected them and made them a better person. So thank you for your work. It's it's wonderful to see
0: your beacon of light spreading out good vibes across the world. So thank you. Thank <laughs> okay, you, man. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's an honor to do it. And yeah, I look forward to having you on again another time. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right, everybody. I hope you had some massive takeaways from this conversation. I know I did. I really enjoyed this conversation with Isaac and his perspective and way of looking at masculine archetypes. It's refreshing. It's new. It's a bit of a different take on the traditional four masculine archetypes that so many men are utilizing in this space. And so I hope that that spun some new insights for all you guys out there. Make sure you go to risingman.org to check out all of our offerings on how you can challenge yourself in 2021 to become a better man, especially our newest Ignite course. I'm really excited about this. The first round of guys who jumped in have really been enjoying it. So looking forward to seeing more of you guys jump along. You can get started at any time. It's not a specific start date. As soon as you register, you get going. So go ahead and jump in there today and make sure while you're at risingman.org to check out the links for show notes and all the resources in every episode that my man Julian puts up each and every week. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and follow us wherever you're listening so you get the notifications every week that we drop a new episode. And check us out on Instagram at Rising Man Movement and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the rising man movement. Big shout outs to my power squad, Rowan, Sean, Julian, Ryan, Mark, and Kyle. Appreciate everything that you guys do and everybody else out there listening. Thank you for your support. We're rolling up on our three-year anniversary in just a couple months here. And man, I love hearing all the messages from you guys on how Rising Man has impacted you in your life. So keep it coming. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.